Welcome to Voices Then and Now, a Dana-Farber Cancer Institute podcast that features first-hand experiences from Dana-Farber patients. In this episode, we'll hear Linda Solomon share her experience being diagnosed with multiple myeloma at 61 and catch up with her to see how she is doing today. A lot of people ask how I was diagnosed and what were my first symptoms. Well, I never presented with typical symptoms like bone pain that most myeloma patients have. For me, it was uncovered while having my annual routine physical in 2009 when a complete blood count showed that my red cells, white cells, and platelets were decreased. I didn't feel ill at this time, but because of these results, my primary care physician recommended I see a hematologist. Since I was trained as a medical technologist with a specialty in hematology, I knew something was going on. I went home, plugged my symptoms into the computer, and the results popped up, multiple myeloma. I knew this disease was a blood cancer, malignant and incurable, but I now had time to digest the information and the ominous prognosis. I also learned that multiple myeloma is an insidious disease and that very few cases are exactly the same. Worst of all, I knew that my life expectancy was now limited. I saw my hematologist at Dana-Faber who confirmed my diagnosis after a bone marrow biopsy. I was diagnosed with stage three myeloma and given three years to survive. The plan was chemotherapy and then a stem cell transplant. The experience of going through a stem cell transplant was an intense and involved procedure. The first step was to lower my blood abnormalities through chemotherapy. The second step was to increase white blood cell production through daily injections of Neuprogen given for one week at home by my husband. The new white cells after harvesting would be used for the transplant. The transplant itself required that I remain in hospital isolation for 17 days and after returning home stay isolated from friends, family, and pets for another three months until my blood counts normalized. It was a rigorous and stressful regime. It seemed pretty radical and frankly scared me, so I reached out for advice from other patients who had gone through this procedure. They assured me that it was not as bad as I had imagined and gave me courage to move forward. In 2010, I had my first stem cell transplant, which put me into remission for 14 months. I felt wonderful during this time, recovering my stamina and good health, and I was even able to resume playing tennis. Unfortunately, I suffered a relapse and had to start chemotherapy again. I generally felt well until out of nowhere, I felt breathless and my blood pressure sharply increased, so much so that I thought I would pass out. One of these spells landed me in the ER where the doctor diagnosed me on the spot with a condition called cardiac amyloidosis that occurs in about 10 to 15% of myeloma patients. In 2012, I went on to have a second stem cell transplant to hopefully give my body a chance to recover and strengthen. Unfortunately, I didn't go into remission at all. 
It did, however, clean out most of the myeloma cells and I was able to continue with routine chemotherapy. I know the future is uncertain and at any time the drugs could stop working, but so far my doctors have been able to stave off further advancement of the disease. Looking back, the most difficult decision was when I had to break the news to my two sons. I knew what to expect, but communicating that to my sons was heartbreaking. I wasn't sure whether to shield them from it or just get it on the table. I told them, we cried and cried, and now we have moved on. It's just another part of our lives. I'm dealing with two diseases along with the symptoms they produce. Sometimes it is very frustrating not to be able to accomplish things I used to do so easily. But even with these limitations, I still travel a little. I spend time with my husband and with my children and grandchildren, and I'm enjoying much more time beyond the original three-year prognosis. I am now in my eighth year and still fighting. Imagine that. While living with terminal cancer has been an adjustment, I'm not putting my life on hold. Yes, I get envious of my husband playing tennis, and I'm sad that I won't be able to see my grandchildren grow up. But we are enjoying ourselves as best we can and grateful for the time we do have together. Babe Ruth famously said, it's hard to beat a person who never gives up. This quote reinforces the lessons I have learned to remain positive, to trust the experience of fellow patients, to be involved with my own treatment, and to trust wonderful doctors and nurses, knowing they are the experts and have my best interest at heart. That was Linda Solomon sharing her experience being diagnosed with and treated for multiple myeloma since 2009. She's now joined by her husband, Alan, to talk about what the experience was like for the family, how she's doing today, and what advice she has for other patients. Can you speak to the issue of being your own best advocate? Mm. Yeah, I feel like it's important for you to be the engine that drives the train. You don't have to be an expert, know all the minute details of biochemistry to do that, but you certainly can organize your physicians. I know I have three physicians I work with and I follow up with them each time too. And if I don't understand something, I ask questions. I remind them that they need to communicate with one another. And I also follow up with what they have communicated. Now, I have to keep in mind that these are very, very busy people. I, I still want to... Not fall through the cracks. That was it. I don't want to fall through the cracks just because they're busy. And they don't want me to either. I believe that they are sincere and they're loving and they're true professionals. So I'm part of the team just as much as they are. And I appreciate everything that they do for me. It was hard for me during your difficult times when you would communicate your hopelessness. And I understood that. 
I understood that you needed somebody to listen, but it's very hard to hear it. I'm not asking you to not do that, but it's something one should be aware of and expect it and then try to deal with it. And that's my role. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. Linda, why don't you share what advice you would give to other patients? I think one of the most important things that I did was connect with the one-to-one -one program at the Dana-Faber. It was so important to speak to other patients who are going through what you're going through, uh, especially at big turning points like in stem cell transplants or in special chemotherapies. It's one thing to hear about it from your physician and your nurses, but it's still another thing to hear about it through your fellow patients. So I would advise them to seek out any advice they can, communicate with the multiple myeloma patients such as myself and I'd be so willing to do that with anybody who wants to talk and uh, you know be positive keep your eye on the road and just try to develop a philosophy that works for you I would just simply say don't give up hope we don't want to give up life if we don't have to and don't give up hope either that there may be a cure for you or a turning point and keep fighting as long as you can, as long as you have it within you to do so. There is a place in the supportive caregiver's role knowing when to insert some tough love. That's interesting. So that you do not fall into that abyss and lose track of the person you are and the person you want to be. <laughs> One of those valleys occurred two weeks ago yeah. where you were having difficulty taking two steps yeah. up the stairs without stopping to breathe right. and not become dizzy. And this occurred over about a one and a half week period. But the next day when you felt better, you were outside blowing leaves <laughs> off the patio. <laughs> now that to me showed and meant that here was your other life that you were still struggling for. Yeah, it's true. No matter how sick one feels, that desire to go on living doesn't leave you. Intellectually, sometimes you just want to throw in the towel, but in reality, you, you just want to feel like your old self again and be able to live life and go on with life. I had some bad blood results and they wanted to hospitalize me over Mother's Day weekend and I refused to go into the hospital. I was treated at home instead and everything worked out to be fine. I'm glad I didn't go into the hospital, but it, it was pretty frightening to reach that kind of down period which I hadn't been through in a long, long time. And both of my sons would be visiting that day 
So I took them aside and I told them what was coming up as far as the tests were concerned and that it could be a worse prognosis than what I'm living with now. And both of them separately understood, but they were crying and hugging me and they were very upset. The same way they were eight years ago when I first told them about my illness. But we got through it. We ended up with a laugh at the end saying this was a dress rehearsal. Things are good now. Uh, the test results came out better than expected. And uh, I hope to go forward and uh, live another eight years. Wouldn't that be nice? And I could see my brand new granddaughter grow up to be eight and she could remember me after that point. So that's my goal. Thank you for listening to Voices, Then and Now, a Dana-Farber Cancer Institute podcast. For more episodes of Voices, or to listen to other Dana-Farber podcasts, please visit www.danafarber.org forward slash podcasts. Thank you.